As we, we come before the Lord and celebrate Easter, I'm glad you're here this morning. Yeah, Heavenly Father, um, we lift up this time to you this morning. God, I'm so thankful. I, I just realized what you have done for me. You sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. So that I can have a right relationship with you now. And spend eternity with you in heaven. God, I thank you for doing that, Lord. That's what we celebrate together today. As the Firehouse Church and everybody who's here with us this morning, Lord. I'm so thankful for each person who's here. And there's some who probably got dragged by a friend or a family member. And others who said, maybe I should come back to church today. And others who come every week. And God, I'm so thankful for each person who's right here with us. With your family, with this family. I pray that every single person would hear from you this morning, Lord. I think of the song we sang earlier, the breath in our lungs is from you to praise you. God, I I pray that what I have to share this morning, the good news of Easter, would be in worship to you. God, and I pray that that good news would reach into the heart of each person who is here That you would touch each person in a special way, God. Not because of me, not because of this church, not because of this day, but because of Jesus Christ and because of what he's done. Thank you for loving us, God. We lift up our time to you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, again, welcome. My name's Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at the Firehouse Church. Uh, I'm so glad every single person is here this morning, uh, whether this is your first time or it's been a while or uh, you just thought, hey, it's Easter and I should go to church. I'm so glad you're here. Um, as Brad mentioned, we have, uh, we have these connect cards. I hope you'd take a minute to fill one of these out uh, and uh, it just gives us a chance to know a little bit more about who you are and how we can pray for you. Um, I'm going to talk about a little bit more, something on there in a second here, but don't you guys love our banner? He is risen. He's risen indeed. That's right. For those of you who don't know, that's kind of what we say to each other on Easter. Some person says he is risen. Everyone else says he is risen indeed. Right. So, Easter, he is risen. The good, that's good. The good news. The good news If you look on your Connect card, if you have one, uh, and you sort of flip over to the back side, it says, I'd like to know more about, and there's two little boxes there. The first one says, having a right relationship with God, and the second one says, being certain that I'm going to heaven. Now, I take the liberty of putting those as questions here on the screen. Do you want to have a right relationship with God? And are you certain that you're going to heaven? Now, we put those things on our card. Because those are the most important question anybody can ask. Most important questions anybody can ask in your life. Do you want to have a right relationship with God or not? Do you want to be certain that you're going to heaven? And you might say, I I don't know. Can I know? Can I have a right relationship with God? I'm not sure I'm good enough. Can I go to heaven? Can anybody really be sure? Do we just have to kind of die to find out whether that's going to happen or not? Well, our message is titled The Good News of Easter, and there is good news, and the good news is that we can have certainty 
when we answer these questions. And so we're going to walk through that today. The certainty for answering these questions comes from the Bible. And so I'm going to take you through the good news. How to answer these most important questions. And hopefully at the end of the time, if you don't have a good answer to these questions in your life, you will have the opportunity to answer these. So let's, let's start off here. The first question we really have to ask is, who is God? This week we were sitting at the breakfast table. My 10-year-old son, he looks at me and he goes, Dad? See, he's kind of a, he's not our type A personality kid. He's a little more of the creative type. And so he, he says a lot of random things. He's prone to exaggeration. You know, he, he likes the words thousands and hundreds. It's part of his vocabulary. Like, we haven't been there in thousands of years. You know, that's the kind of thing he says, right? But he just looks at me and he says, how do we know that God is God? I was like, wow, that's really cool he's asked that, right? Well, who is God? How do we know? What, what is God? Are there lots of gods? Or what would sort of even define God? And so I was thinking about that. And, and, and I really think that the definition of God kind of sits on a, it's kind of a three-legged stool is the way I look at it. And we could go into a lot of theology and do a bunch of sermons and to kind of get to this. But here's the three things I think of that really kind of define God. The first one is that for there to be a God, one God, he must be all-powerful. He's got to be able to do anything and everything. Because if he doesn't have all the power that's possible, he's not God. He has limitations, right? Besides being all-powerful, I think that he's all-knowing. He has to know everything. He has to know everything there is to know about everything. Some of you may have kids, you think, that kid thinks he knows that he knows everything about everything, but he doesn't. God actually does know everything about everything. And then the third thing I think that stool sits on is that he is everywhere. He's all-present He's in all places at all times. So you kind of sit God on that three-legged stool. And so here we have God. And the Bible tells us that God is the creator of the universe. Now, you may not like that terminology, creator. You may, I don't, I don't know, whatever. This is what the Bible tells us. So we're going to go with what the Bible says. The Bible says he's the creator of the universe. But the Bible tells us more than that about God's character. Tells us that he is love. In 1 John 4 8, it says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God expresses love. God is near to love. God is love. What else does it tell us about God? God is holy. Now that's kind of a churchy word, right? 1 Peter 3 16 says, You must be holy because I, God speaking, I am holy. Well, what is holy? Well, we all kind of have ideas about what holy is and Oh, that guy's holier than thou, and so forth, right? But we can really break holy down into three words. The first one is pure. We talk about pure water, right? And what is pure water? It has nothing bad in it except water. H2O. That's it. It's pure, absolutely pure. So God is holy. He's pure. There's nothing evil or bad in him. What else? He is righteous. That means he's right. That means he is perfect. Again, if he wasn't, he wouldn't be God. It also means that he's just. And this is some good news, right? Because we live in a world with injustice. And a world with tragedy. Even this week, tragedy struck in Brussels, Belgium. But God is just. The Bible tells us he's going to set everything right. 
And that's the God the Bible tells us about. So we go, okay, so that's God, and God is the creator of the universe. Well, what was his design for this creation? What was he aiming for? What did he do? Well, here we have God, and God makes the creation. And we look back to Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning of the Bible. And it tells us right here in verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God created it. However you think that happened, the Bible tells us God made it. And you get to the very last verse of that chapter and it says this, Then God looked over all he had made and he saw it was very good. That means it was perfect. Just like him. It was pure. That was God's design for the creation. But we look around us and it sure isn't pure. It isn't perfect. So that leads us to the next question. What happened? What happened to his design? He made it that way. What happened? Well, we happened. We had the creation, and part of that creation was mankind. And mankind made mistake. We can read in the other chapters of Genesis, it talks about Adam and Eve and their sin and their choices separated them from God. It broke the creation. But we can't really just sit here and blame it on Adam and Eve. In Romans chapter 3, it tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I have sinned. You have sinned. We could try to blame Adam and Eve, but the responsibility is on me. And it's on you. Okay, so we've sinned and we're separated from God. How do we even know what sin is? You're like, well... Greg, maybe your definition of sin is a little different than my definition of sin. It's a little different than that guy's definition of sin. Well, the Bible tells us, and I think we intuitively know it, God gave the Ten Commandments. This is summation of the rules. We, most of us, have some grasp of at least some of these. Have no other gods before me. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Right? We go, oh, well, I, I don't know. As, as you sort of think through your life, you might think, well I, well, I haven't done that thing. Maybe I've kind of done that. Maybe I, oh, it says don't covet. Yeah, I've sort of wanted something that somebody else had, but I, ha- I haven't killed anybody. Right? We could talk about how the Bible really expands that to say, you've been angry. You've committed murder. But at some point it doesn't matter because you could look through this list of ten things and you could go, yeah, I've broken one of those. And in James 2.10, it tells us the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. Did you catch that? If you break one law, you've broken them all. You are no longer pure. You are no longer righteous. And that's bad news. So where do we now live? Where do we now live? God had this creation. He made it. It was perfect. We broke it. So we live in brokenness. And we live with the reality of death. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Probably most of us here work in a job, right? Most of us have a job. And we get paid for that job. 
You put in your hours and you get a paycheck. Well, each of us as people, we have sin. At the end of the day, that sin results in a wage. And that wage, the Bible tells us, is death. So the world is broken. And we're broken. And our brokenness shows up in three forms. It shows up as physical death. This is obvious to us all. We see it on the news every day. We see it in our own lives. Just this week, I was at the store and I was buying some tulips. And the cashier said, oh, these are some beautiful tulips. And I didn't have the heart to tell her, yeah, it's for two different people who've lost a family member this week. It's all around us. And so there's a physical death. And each one of us has to come to reckoning with that, that our life is going to end. Tax day is coming, right? They say taxes and death are the two certain things. Well, you can cheat your taxes. I don't think you should. I would encourage you not to. But you can't cheat death. You cannot cheat death. Physical death is coming. And the Bible also tells us there is a spiritual death. That our sin has separated us in such a way that we are spiritually dead. And so if you're walking around and you're alive physically and you're dead spiritually. And then at some point the inevitable happens and you die. You've got a problem. And that problem is called eternal death. The Bible tells us, it says, we will be punished with eternal destruction. Forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. I know that hell is not a popular thing for us to talk about. Separation from God is not something we want to just, oh, think about and dwell on. But it's reality. That if I'm spiritually dead, and eventually I'm going to be physically dead, I'm going to be eternally dead. And that's some bad, bad news. And so I think every single person on the face of the earth comes to grips with this one way or another. How do you seek escape? How do we seek escape? Well, there's a variety of ways here, and I have this little graphic on the screen I think we can really classify the things we do to try to escape this brokenness and death that's around us in kind of four different ways. The first one is through being religious. Whatever you think religion is, it's your way of, I'm just sort of working my way to be good, whether it's going to church or or saying prayers or uh, whatever it is, doing yoga. I don't know what your religion is, but you do a religion. That's one way to get to God. Another way is philosophy, sort of think your way. If I just kind of think my way, God, I kind of got it all thought out and I have all these ideas and this is how I'm going to go and get to God and get out of my brokenness and death. It's another way. We also just think, man, if I'm just good enough, I just, sort of do, I just do good works. Good works and good works and good works. Well, who defines what is good? It's another way we try to get to God. And sometimes we just go, well, I'm just, I'm just doing the best I can. I'm going to do the best I can, and someday I'm going to stand before God, and I'm just going to trust that I just say, God, I just did the best I can. And that's a great idea, but do the math on it. Go back to those Ten Commandments, and let's say you live 70 years, and in 70 years you only break one commandment a day. If I did that, I'd be pretty good, right? You just told one lie, you just wanted something that wasn't yours, just once a day. One of those things, once a day. You would have committed over 25,000 sins. It's not very good, is it? So we think about these things and we go, Ah, I'm going to get to God, I'm going to get to God. And the reality is, 
They're all tainted. Right? Who here washes their dishes with the toilet brush? But nobody's raising their hand. Well, I, I soaped it up and cleaned it. Can I wash my dishes? I'm like, I don't want that thing anywhere near the kitchen, right? That's how it is. We try to do these good things and yet they're tainted by the sin that we have. We can't get our dishes clean with the toilet brush of our own brokenness and death. So is there a solution? I think it's a legitimate question. Is there a solution? This is all really, really, really bad news, Greg. What's the solution? Well, the Bible tells us there is a solution. And that solution is not that we try to get to God, but that God comes to us. And he does that in the person of Jesus, Jesus Christ, who today we celebrate because he is risen. It's good. So who was this Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us, says, this is how God loved the world. God reaches out. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent Jesus into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So we're going to talk about Jesus here. Who was Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus was God in the flesh. It was God, came to earth as a man. Now, if you, if you show up here at Christmas, we talk about that at Christmas time because that's sort of a season where we do that. And, and by the way, we're here every week. You're welcome to join us. We'd love to have you be part of our family. The Bible tells us he was God in the flesh and there was really a, a few ways that he proved that. The first way is that he said he was God. I don't know about you, but if somebody came down the street here and said, hey, I'm God, I'd be like, I'm skeptical. (laughs) But Jesus did. And if you read it and you read in the New Testament, they were ready to kill him for it. And ultimately, they did kill him for it. Jesus also performed miracles. He healed people. He did things that we can't even reproduce with technology and science. He lived without sin. He lived a perfect life. That problem we have, that sin of breaking the law, a dirty toilet brush, he didn't have that problem because he lived the perfect life. And then he fulfilled prophecy. If you read in the Old Testament, there's hundreds of places, hundreds of years and thousands of years before he was born and before he lived that proclaimed that he was going to come and do exactly the things that he did. So Jesus was God in the flesh. And then he died for us. And that's what Good Friday was. You hear talk about Good Friday. We celebrate as much as you could celebrate this brutal execution. Probably the most brutal form of execution possible. He died for us. And then after that, he rose from death to life. He is risen. He's risen indeed. So that's who Jesus is kind of in a nutshell. And so what's the result? What is the result? Okay, Jesus did that. He came to earth. He died. He rose again. So what's the result? Well, we put the cross up here because that's where he died. And there's Jesus. Jesus stood. He bridged that gap between God and mankind. But in reality, I deserve that penalty for my sin. 
that brokenness and death, I really should have eternal death. But Jesus stood there so that I wouldn't have to. This is the ultimate demonstration of God's love. And that's how his design is restored. It's through Jesus Christ. God restores us to him. And he gives us the opportunity to come to him. He gives us the opportunity to have a right relationship now. And eternal life in heaven. Remember our two questions at the beginning? This is what the Bible tells us. This is how these get answered through Jesus Christ. We can be right with God today. And we can avoid eternal death and instead have eternal life in the presence of God. An amazing place called heaven. And so that's the good news. But we don't want to just stop there with the good news. How do I embrace it? How do I embrace this good news? Well, the Bible tells us, let's go back to John 3.16. It said that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone who believes in him. Not everyone who's religious. Not everyone who's philosophical. Not everyone who's doing good works or doing the best they can. Everyone who believes. There's a difference. There's a difference between belief and doing good things. And it's a free gift. And so what does it mean to believe? You go, great. Okay, so it's not working. It's not being religious. It's not coming to church. And what does it mean? Well, the Bible tells us there's really two parts of what it means to believe. The first part is realizing I've broken God's laws. Realizing I can't repair that damage that my sin has done. That separated me. I can't get across that gap. It's also recognizing that whatever I thought of Jesus before. Only Jesus can restore me to God. Only Jesus can restore me to God. The second part of believing is. Receiving it, that God gives this to us as a free gift. If it wasn't a free gift, it would just be religion or good works or philosophy. It would be us having to do something. But it's a free gift, and all I have to do is receive that free gift. And I do that by placing my faith and trust in God through Jesus alone. Now, some of you have probably heard this before, and you go, that's great. You maybe have heard. Grew up hearing this kind of thing, but let me ask you this question. Do you believe? Have you placed your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ? I love the analogy of the chair, right? There's an empty chair sitting right here. How many of you think that chair would hold you up if you sat in it? Hopefully most of you, you're not raising your hand because sort of rhetorical question. But how many of you are actually sitting in this chair? None of you should be raising your hand, right? Nobody's sitting in this chair. And faith, belief is the same thing. You can say, that's great, that sounds good, but have you sat in that chair? Have you placed your trust in him? And that's the, the ultimate end of the good news, is that you can place your trust in him. And it's very simple. And I would like to invite you today, personally, if you've never done this, you can place your trust in Jesus Christ right now. And so in a minute here, we're going we're to pray together. 
And there's a little sample prayer here I have on the screen just as a guide. And, and we'll pray this. And in the quietness of our heart, you can, you can pray this. Just, God, I changed my mind about Jesus. Whatever you thought about Jesus, you can change your mind. God, I recognize him as, my son, as your son. And I changed my mind about myself. That I'm not good enough. That I can't get to you. I cannot get to heaven on my own. My religion, my good works, it's not going to get me there. I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross. You came to earth. You died on the cross for my sins and then you rose again and defeated death. Rose from the grave and now I invite you to come into my heart and my life as my Lord and Savior. And that's as simple as the prayer has to be. And if that's something you want to do this morning, I just want to reiterate that belief, that's what it takes. The Bible tells us to get right with God, to have that right relationship with him, to spend eternity with him. It takes believing, realizing I've broken God's laws, realizing I can't repair that damage, realizing that only Jesus can restore me to God and then receive that gift by placing my faith in him alone. And so now... If you would just bow your head and, and we'll pray. And some of you may be sitting here this morning and you had this card and, and you saw those questions. I'd like to know more about having a right relationship with God, or I'd like to know, know more about being certain I'm going to heaven. And you came on the right morning. Although we, we talk about this every week because it's the most important thing. And maybe you've already checked those boxes, or maybe you were afraid to check those boxes because you thought somebody might start asking you questions about these. So I'd encourage you now, if, if God's moving in your heart and has been moving you to this place, that you would respond. And that you'd pray this prayer. It's on the screen. If you want to look at it as you pray, you just say, God, I, I changed my mind about Jesus and I recognize him as your son. Change my mind about myself. I cannot get to heaven on my own. I know that I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave. I now invite you to come into my heart and my life as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, if you prayed that prayer, I would encourage you, there's another place even on the back of that card that says today, invite Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And you could mark that and, and give that to me or, or put that at the, give that to the info kiosk as I think Brad probably mentioned. If you fill out the card and drop it off, we have a free gift for you because we're just so happy that you're with us. But I think now we have an answer to this question. Do you want to have a right relationship with God? If you've received the free gift of salvation, if you've invited him in to your life and you've received this you are right with God. And those of us who've made that decision in the past, this is a good reminder on Easter that we are right with God. Amen? And that second question, are you certain that you're going to heaven? The Bible tells us, if you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you will spend eternity with him in heaven. You're no longer subject to eternal death. You're subject to eternal life. And that's the good news. And that's the good news. Let's pray again here. God, I, I'm so thankful that you rose 
from the grave. God, we think about we think about Easter, we think about Good Friday, we think about how you died on the cross in such a horrific, terrible way. And yet death is terrible for everybody. Every single one of us experiences death. And God, there's some who some of us are have been spiritually dead. And yet we can be right with you. We don't have to be spiritually dead. We can be spiritually alive and be right with you, have a right relationship with you. God, I thank you for this good news. I thank you that you have risen. I thank you that you paid the penalty for us. God, again, I thank you for each person who is here this morning. I pray that you would be speaking into each one, God. And as we, as we come together and, and sing another song of worship, Lord, help us to reflect on what you've done for us. Help us to draw closer to you as we worship in the name of Jesus. Amen.